Healing can happen when people share their stories. Welcome to Trauma, Trial, and Transformation. Discover true stories from those who were called to sit in the witness chair. Experience their journey through the legal process and beyond. This podcast brings to light the trauma and stress caused by testifying under oath and offers resources by talking with witnesses, key litigators, and mental wellness professionals to assist with different approaches one can utilize to prepare to take the stand and how to heal after the encounter. And now, here's your host, Juliet Huck. Welcome to Trauma, Trial, and Transformation. Coming to you from sunny and today pretty hot Los Angeles. Like most people, I love a good story. And this man that I have on our show today has an amazing story. And the first five minutes I was like, oh, please, can we be a guest on my show? But he is a story of courage, triumph, and fitting for our show, Transformation. I'd like to introduce Joel Rolopkis. Hi, Joel. Thanks so much for coming. I'm really grateful you're here with me today. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. This is such an honor. Oh, I'm honored. Let me tell you, this, this, uh, I'm finding the more I'm getting out and talking with people, the more beautiful humans are coming into my life and uh, came right to the jump at the top of that list. So I'm so, so grateful for your time today. You know, Joel has a long career as a Hollywood executive producer. For those of you who don't know him, he did shows such as Biggest Loser, Going Broke, House Kitchen, just to name a few of his TV successes, but he has a long laundry list. But the great, great thing about Joel, too, is that he's also founded Change Your Algorithm. He's created an amazing team of mental health professionals who provide support for free, I want to reiterate that, free, to its members across the world. And um, we're going to get on top of that in a second, but I just, Joel, again, I'm just so grateful that you're here. So thank you. So Change Your Algorithm... Looks like it's got global thousands of members. Uh, you were going to open in Italy, Canada. I don't know if you're that far enough, but can you just give me a great background of what Change Your Algorithm is? And we're going to get into your story in just a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Change Your Algorithm is a free mental wellness program that is of service globally thanks to our team of volunteer mental health professionals. And basically anyone, anywhere and can join and receive free mental health support in the form of virtual group classes. And our classes can range from coping skills for anxiety, how to manage depression, coping skills for stress, finding forgiveness, you name it. And it's all peer led and our therapists do classes based off of what the community wants. Yeah, it's 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 impressive. I have to admit, I've I've scoured through the website and um, it just I was like, wow, where, where's this been all of our lives? You know, it's like just really a a really amazing organization that you put together. So, but you know, you have such an inspirational story to really get on this train coming out of the Hollywood world. Um, what inspired you to step like on that first brick? of this, I want to call yellow brick road, you know, like that, that first step, like what, what inspired you to do that, to make healing and a change in your life? Yeah. You know, I have the whole immigrant story where my family moved from the Philippines to the U S I moved to the U S exactly on my sixth birthday. And instantly I was already feeling very different from other people, whether it was because of my race growing up, you know, in a in Southern California neighborhood, 
or being in the closet or having parents that were going through a divorce. There was a lot of heavy emotions that I was experiencing as a child and in in a Filipino household, you're not really talking about mental health. I didn't know how, how to express my emotions or talk about my emotions. And what happens is that that was very much suppressed. And that translated to me being an adult, basically having a lot of shame for myself, not feeling worthy, not feeling good enough. And that turned into an addiction towards alcohol to the point where I was drinking two bottles of wine a night. And so it wasn't until a few years ago that I decided to ask for help. So there I was a successful executive producer, living a duplicitous life, going through depression, anxiety, suicidal ideations, not feeling good enough. And I just wanted help. And when I went to rehab, I was so shocked to see that these were things that were not offered in grade school. You know, these classes led by therapists, right? Even class about right. mindfulness, you yeah, know, right. pills for anxiety. And so when I left rehab, I decided that there needs to be a free program where therapists provide their services for free, especially knowing that the suicide rates tie into unemployment rates. So it's a service that the world really needed. And so I wanted to put it out there. Yeah, you know, I I read not too long ago, and I've been working on some graphics to put out uh, with the show that like, it's like two out of three kids, by the time they're 16, have had a traumatic experience in their life. Yeah, and I mean, no, I I yeah. went through trauma, you know, as a kid, as as we talked earlier, and my brother that that died in a hunting accident, and there was no conversation, there was no place, it was looked frowned upon, if you weren't going to the priest, you know. Um, so it's but but that moment of realizing, okay, I I really need to I need to do this. How did that how did that feel like I am going to do this? Yeah, you know, it's just the fact that. When I was struggling with my mental health, when those days were happening, when I was drinking bottles and bottles of wine without anyone around me, I didn't have anyone to look up to. I didn't know anyone that was open about their mental health struggles, much more anyone that looked like me that talked about their mental health struggles. And so I made it really my mission to, once I got out of rehab, to tell my story. And, you know, the ego side of me was saying, oh, are you really going to tell people that you were in rehab? Like, what about your reputation as a producer? And I go, wait a minute, you know, vulnerability is something that the world needs more of. It's so easy to brag about our jobs and how much money we make and the new car and post it on social media so we can all feel better about ourselves. But it takes strength, true strength, to actually show that vulnerable side because that's what keeps us connected. I always say that vulnerability is the ultimate Wi-Fi because that's what connects us. Yeah, that that I love. Actually, I was going to bring that up a little later, so I'm glad you brought that up now. I, I love that so much because it's one of the things, as I talk to witnesses that have to get on the witness stand, talk about a vulnerable position, right? Here they are. It could be, you know, I talked to a lawyer yesterday who's, you know, one of his clients was trying to get a restraining order from her husband, had to testify mm. in front of him. I mean, the vulnerability of people that can, the trauma that can come from that vulnerability, but the strength to me, I, I, I love how you say that's the Wi-Fi. To me, it's always been the strength. When you're vulnerable, I fi- I've always found like jurors just look at you like, wow, you are strong to be able to come here and do this. And so I, I love our conversation on vulnerability because I, I find it to be one of the, the most important parts of mental health. 
Right. Um, so I was, I was so excited when I saw that in your article, I was like, oh, I've got to talk to him about that. So, you know, one of your favorite lines or my favorite lines of yours is uh, there's no judgment here, just healing. You know, that, that is such a powerful statement because of where we are today in social media, society. How, does, how did you come up with that? You know, I was someone that was very hard on myself growing up. And, you know, that stems from not feeling good enough, right? And when you're hard on yourself, you are constantly judging yourself. And our inner world is a reflection of the outer world. And so I found myself judging other people. And so I, I, I was noticing a pattern. The common denominator here was just how, how brutal judgment can be. And it wasn't until I was working with therapists in rehab that I learned about compassion, right? Compassion being a very specific type of love to offer to yourself during a moment of suffering. And so I said to myself, what if I replace judgment with compassion, which felt like total opposites. And I started to practice self-compassion. And when I would find myself beating myself up over something, I would go, well, let me try compassion. You know, even when I was angry about something, my old pattern used to be, I'd just be angry over the fact that I was angry. And then I said, well, let me try to be compassionate with myself with the fact that I'm angry. Let me try to be compassionate with this fact that I feel sad right now. And it shifted everything. And so I took that mentality, I took that philosophy, and I applied that to change our algorithm where we say, replace judgment with compassion. And there is no judgment here, just healing. I just love that. I think that is it's so powerful because we are, you know, let alone the world is critical of us. You know, especially I know myself and I'm sure I can already tell you're a perfectionist and, yeah. you know, we, we come from those, those family dynamics of do the right thing, right? Do the right thing. And, um, you know, the right thing is hard. It's always, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times in my business, my mother's always said to me, I know, honey, you'll do the right thing. And that's sometimes the hardest thing to do, but that self-compassion to know that you might upset somebody or you might somebody off or they're going to not, you know, you're never going to see them again. Um, I just love that the healing part of that is like you're stepping up for yourself. And this is one of the things I want to get the message out to people that are, that have to sit in the witness chair is that yeah. everybody's judging you at that moment, right? They're judging you. You're telling the truth. Are you, are you, are you, do you have compassion for the situation? Are you paying attention to your lawyer? Are you being an adversary, um, adversary or witness? Um, so all that stuff, when you get off the witness stand goes through your mind. And so this, this conversation of self-compassion, I think is, is powerful to just be part of the healing process. So I, I, I thank you for bringing that into the world because that is so important. So um, let's talk about CYA, which by the way, I love that CYA. That's just such <laughs> a, it's just such a, such a personal thing to say, right? Um, but tell me your vision for the organization as to where where you would love to see this go. Like, what is your big picture vision for this? Yeah, the big picture vision is that, you know, I love group fitness. I love working out. Um, I want therapy and mental health to be just as accepted and normalized as much as people talk about going to the gym or taking the soul cycle class or going to bear. Like, it's very cool to talk about you know, these uh, fitness classes that we all take. And the mind is just as important because everything starts with the mind. And so I really want to break that stigma of people feeling that shame of talking about um, seeing a therapist or going to uh, 
a self-help class, if you will, type of thing. And so I want it to be cool and trendy and completely normalized where no matter what age you are, you can go to a change your algorithm class and post about it. And I think that the big goal to answer your question is to eventually have physical spaces, you know, because right now change your algorithm is all virtual. So it would be nice to, you know, start one physical space in L.A. No, that would be sign me up. I'm there to volunteer for sure. Yeah, right. Uh, but yeah, but now you're talking about um, you're talking about shame, which is something I'm working on myself. Um, sure. I wanted to read something that that you that uh, you were quoted to say for a quick second. It says um, the same way that when people go to the gym, they go to the gym to feel better and stronger and lose weight, just like you were talking about, right? That same mentality can happen to our mind, and I think a lot of people don't realize that it can happen. And I think that there's this, you know, when I had to try to explain to someone in my family that is not as pro therapy and to say, you know, well, when my dad had a heart attack, that was the first thing they did, right? You changed the regimen of your food. You changed the regimen of your this. So why is it my brain just having an attack? It's like, there. you're right. There's this odd, um, this odd stigma that goes. So, you know, with, with there's, why do you think there's so much shame around it? Yeah, I think there's a lot of shame around it because, you know, when it comes to our parents, it's just generations of passing down the fact that we don't talk about our emotions, you know, and I think that for me, you know, mental health, as I mentioned, is something that we don't talk about. And when we don't talk about it, it feels like a secret. And when it feels like a secret, it's very easy for that to feel like you're shameful to even carry that, like you're different from everybody else. You know, me growing up from a, a different ethnicity or being LGBTQ, you know, there's already that secret. And that secret starts, you start to feel shameful for it, right? And guilt is when you feel feel bad. And then shame is when you say that you are bad. And truthfully, you know, we want to break the shame stigma where people have nothing to be ashamed about, where you know, it's okay to be yourself. And in fact, it's all of our imperfections, traumas included, that make us whole. And there's nothing wrong with us. I think that's the big thing is that there's nothing wrong with you for experiencing what you're experiencing, because we all go through it. And once we start to talk about what we go through, other people go, I have nothing to be ashamed, because they're on the same boat that I'm in. Right, right. And there's, you know, there's levels, I, you know, I, I'm, like I said, I'm dealing with that with myself, because I'm, I'm in the middle of writing a memoir. And, you know, speaking your truth is, is not easy to do. Yeah. But when you do find people like yourself, and we're having this conversation, it's easy, it's easy to yeah. do. I mean, I met you and boom, it was like, we just opened up because we knew uh, there was, like you said, no judgment, there was just healing. And um, I keep going back to that that line because it's just it's so powerful when you feel like wow and I know the first time I really came out and was out in public I was out with my you know my childhood trauma and things like that and people started saying wow you're strong I love you like that encouragement so I, I'm assuming that's what change your algorithm is going to be it's going to be that 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 net that just keeps continuing to get tighter and tighter and build as it gets bigger do you see it that way Absolutely. Because, you know, climbing the mountain isn't just about getting to the top and sticking the flag there. Climbing the mountain is also about reaching back and helping others get through those hurdles as well. 
Because when you do that for someone, they're going to do that for somebody else and becomes this beautiful ripple effect, really, of people coming together, you know, and there was no question why this change our algorithm did so well during the pandemic, because in a time where we were so physically isolated, it didn't mean that we couldn't be emotionally connected. Right, right. That was beautifully said, by the way. I, I, that's, oh, thank uh, you. It's, it's, it's true, beautifully said, because it's, um, you know, what I love about talking with you is it's, it's very simple. We don't have to make this complicated, right? It doesn't have to be as yeah. complicated as everybody says, oh, I can't tell you I'm going to therapy or I can't this. And it's like, yeah. well, like you said, why can't you just say you're going to the gym? And I think that that's, um, I think that's just so important to see how simple it can be to bring right. happiness, right? Right? Yeah. I mean, ha are you happier today than you've ever been? Or how, how do you feel? Where, where do you put yourself on the scale of happiness? Truthfully, the happiest I have been, but also understanding that their life is going to have its ups and downs. Because I used to just want to say, I want life to always just be happy and perfect, but now I understand that it's going to have ups and downs, and it's all about how I respond to it. But this is the strongest that I have felt mentally, and I'm very, very grateful for that For that because of my struggles and my traumas that have made me stronger. Well, you, you uh, according to your article in the LA Times, you're also physically fit, boxing and, <laughs> and doing so. So with different types of modalities, like if, if I, you know, and I'm, um, it's a little known fact, I'm actually a, a certified breathwork practitioner Love that. Uh, on top of my consulting job with lawyers, right? So I, I do a breath work. And one of the things I'm trying to get is others to see that, you know, you can look at witness prep through holistic lens, right? And then what's yeah. the aftercare? And that's why I love your program to connect with is that if somebody, because what happens sometimes in trial, and this, I would love to get your opinion on what, what you would advice you would give here is that when you're in trial, you're in a bubble, right? And depending what type of trial you're in, um, you can have what they call a protective order. And for protective order, you can't even talk to anybody in your home. You can't wow. talk to anybody. Yeah. I mean, when I was on some of these trials, I'm sitting in the middle of, you know, Scott Peterson, Enron, things like that. And I'm, I sure. can't talk to anybody. And so there becomes this loneliness around that. Um, so, but I could talk to a therapist, right? Right. So that was the only person that I could actually, uh, that I, that's when I really, really started going to therapy because I had a, a meltdown in the middle of one of my trials, realizing that all of this was just combusting. So yeah. how, what would be your suggestion for somebody in that scenario? Like how to find different modalities to, to find some healing? Yeah. You know, when it comes to feeling like you need to heal from something, the first step for me really is to acknowledge what you need to heal from. I think we often, especially in Western culture, just try to cure the symptoms, right? But it wasn't until I started to investigate where this stemmed from, and instead of running away from it for the first time, actually embracing it. And instead of trying to suppress it, actually op you know, welcoming it with open arms. And what I would do, especially if people felt like they were isolated and don't have that many people to talk to, is to really just journal. You know, the same way that our body sweats, our mind needs to, needs to do the same thing. And journaling is such a fantastic kinesthetic exercise where our mind gets to basically just have a release. You know, I always say that when we're staying up at night, it's because our mind is going through anxiety, almost like a spin cycle in a washing machine, right? It's just constantly spinning, spinning, spinning. It's not really doing anything. It's just spinning. 
But when we do things like journaling, you're taking the clothes out of the washer, you're putting it in the dryer. Now the clothes are dry. And now you see, oh, these are the shorts. I'm going to fold them and put them in the shorts pile. These are the shirts. I'm going to put them in the shirts pile. And when we journal, we can literally see what our thoughts are. Now, versus right. things feeling like they're just constantly spinning. And when we see what our thoughts are, we have a better understanding of who we, of who we are. Right. You know, one thing that I, I have said multiple times is I think a good therapist is like a, a pair of shoes. Finding a therapist is like a pair of shoes. You can, you know, and uh, trust me, I, I have some shoes. <laughs> and I have my favorite pair of shoes. I have my favorite pair of shoes. And uh, why is that? Because I have tried on many different shoes, which to me, you've got to find the right therapist. And um, then once I've found that perfect pair of shoes, I will go until they, they always make me feel good. They always make me feel good about myself. You know, it's just like, this, this analogy I've, I've kind of joked around about, but it's true. So you have a multiple, you know, layers of therapists uh, in your organization. How would you uh, advise others to find the right person for themselves? I'm so happy that you said that because you talk about shoes and I often compare this to test driving a car. And so I like to have our attendees at Change Your Algorithm to test drive therapists. And so they can go to multiple classes, check out different types of therapists. And if they like one that they want to do private sessions with, they can do these private sessions and we don't take commission at all. Our job is to just basically, you know, put these therapists out there and hope that people get the help that they need. But you're absolutely right. Whether it's shoes, dating, cars, therapists, you got to find the right one. Right. I mean, that's, I don't know why, you know, I can't tell you how many people I've had problems or issues. They'll come to me. I'm like, well, have you thought about therapy? I can never find the right one. I was like, that's because you have to keep looking. You can't just go to one and, oh, I went twice and this and that. And I was just like, that's why I love the platform of Change Your Algorithm because you have right there in front of you multiple, you know, decisions. And if one doesn't work, you can go to the next. And a lot of times it's, it's yeah. the search that also becomes really hard. So you've made it very user friendly on that. So it's congratulations on that's really great. Absolutely. And it's free, right? Because sometimes people fear that they have to spend money in order to find the right one. But what's nice is you can join these classes for free and meet different types of therapists. Right, right. It's just so great. And I was I was looking over your uh, class list. You, know, you have some really unique classes you were talking about earlier. You listed a few, but like overcoming imposter syndrome. I just thought, okay, that is such a great class because of how many people yeah. I would imagine too. I, mean, I, as a business owner in Los Angeles, like who was I coming off the farm, living in Chicago, thinking I was going to be up against the big dogs in LA. And I had that imposter syndrome for a long time. And just, just for somebody to address that is just brilliant. I, I love that. And then uh, tools for transforming trauma, which I, Wish I could be in that class, but I'm traveling. Um, so talk to me about just like, you just come up with these ideas in the middle of the night, like, oh, let's do a class on this. Like, how, how does that happen? Yeah, you know, when the program first started, I was doing the exact classes that I was learning about in rehab. Um, but now that we have a community of thousands, it's our community members that will submit class topics. And then I take those topics and send it to our therapists and our therapists now do classes based off of what the community wants. So it works out great. So we had, you know, a bunch of people say, please do a class on imposter syndrome. And now we have, you know, psychotherapist Suzanne Orlando doing a class exactly about that tonight. Oh, that's great. I may have to talk to you about doing a class on witnesses. 
Because <laughs> yeah, it is a, it's a, it's a huge, it, it is a huge, uh, witness prep is a very, very interesting process. And, you know, there's the expert sure. witnesses, which, you know, I talked about in, in one of the other shows. You know, that's what they do for a living. They come in and that's, they yeah. are experts in their field and they, that's what they do. They're professional, you know, witnesses that can actually just get up there and give their testimony and off they run. But like you and I talked early, um, you know, one of the things that was really hit me so hard was during the George Floyd trial. Um, mm. uh, the first one where those kids got up on the stand and some of them couldn't be shown on TV because they were under 18 and some, you know, the ones that just hit 18 were on the stand in front of the world, you know, I mean, it's changed our culture. It's changed our world, you know I mean? And so yeah. just having that, the support system around that, I think what's happened is it's just like, they just go away. Like what's, what happened to those witnesses? What's happened to, you know, people that are, uh, have to go through that really stressful situation, either high profile or not high profile. That's one of the things right. I think people don't understand either is that sometimes it doesn't have to be a high profile case on court TV in order for it to be stressful when you're, when you're a witness like that. So, so, you know, when, when witnesses get off the witness stand, that's, that's what I'm also very interested in because, you know, you've got these, you know, young people that have to go to a school or they have to, you know, or somebody has to go back to work. They have to jump right back into their lives. Um, What would be your suggestion on the aftercare for someone who's just really like, this has really been traumatic for them? Yeah, absolutely. My suggestion is to really acknowledge how you're feeling. I think often at times when we go through something, it's easy to say, oh, well, now back to school or, oh, now back to work or let me just go about my life and just, you know, try to forget about that. Um, but forgetting about things is not the, in my experience, the healthiest, right? Because wherever you go, there you are. And so I think that it's really important to acknowledge, you know, what it is that we've gone through and also celebrate our victories, you know, for people that do that, get up on the stand and they're a witness and they tell their story, like that takes bravery and that takes strength, right? And I think the more that we acknowledge our bravery and strength, the more that we starve the shame that we try to not have, you know, and with that, we continue with our lives um, and just acknowledging how, how far we've come. Yeah, that's great. That's really, really great. Because you're right. It's it's, uh, it's that acknowledgement in a way that uh, you give yourself a big hug, take care of yourself in that sense. And and really, so yeah, what I what I normally say is, you know, you, you have to acknowledge it, you have to give yourself some acknowledgement, some love, some care, um, even if it's a massage, if it's chiropractic, if it's something because that, as I always say, that dart will catch up with that balloon. And that's, to me, how we have sickness because of you know, pent up energy and pent up anger and things like that. I mean, it's, it's starting to finally come to surface and being, you know, proven that those emotions can cause physical illness, right? Yes, absolutely. I'm so happy you said that because it's so easy for us to schedule appointments in our lives. Like, got to pay this bill, got to talk to that person, got to do the car wash, got to do this. But no one's really scheduling self-care time. Like, Mm -mm purposely, strategically scheduled self-care time, whether it is a massage, whether it is a meditation, whether it's just an hour of doing nothing. I think that we really need to eliminate the misconception that being busy means being successful, you know, because sometimes being busy is really just a distraction from the things that we really need to heal from. Yeah, that's another well-said thing. Because yeah, I, I, after starting to slow down in the trial world, 
my Fridays are every Friday on Santa Monica Beach. And uh, it's made me the happiest person in the world to just take that two hours, just two hours, you know, to be at the water. And, um, and I'm, you know, people know where to find me now. It's almost like I have to change my spots. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> which is kind of funny. I'm getting a, a groupie, uh, groupie group there. So, um, now before I forget, can you tell me about the project with LeBron James? It sounds fascinating. And I haven't really got the full skinny on that. What, what exactly is that? It's, it sounds amazing. Yeah. So outside of mental health, I am an executive producer for LeBron James's production company, Spring Hill. And Spring Hill is such a magnificent company because they tell the stories of people from marginalized communities. And so the show that I'm executive producing is called Rescue for Change. And each episode is focused on a marginalized community. So we Take people, for example, the first episode was about Stop Asian Hate, which was for me as a Filipino American, very personal and I loved it. We took, you know, different types of celebrities, chefs, you know, people from business, everyday people, and we just talked about the topics that need to be discussed from misconceptions, stereotypes, what we can do to be better allies towards each other. And, um, we continued that towards episodes such as ending, how to end anti-Semitism and amplifying black women. We have more episodes to come, but what was so great is to see these um, celebrities really just come through for a great cause. You know, we just had Mary J. Blige in um, our last episode about amplifying black women, and she's one of our hosts. And um, it's been such an amazing, amazing show to work on. We got nominated for an Emmy, so it's always nice to see that it's being recognized and being watched, you know, by others. So I'm very, very grateful to be working with Spring Hill. That's great. And it's what a positive, I mean, just positive energy, just to, you know, to, just out the gate, right? To be in a place like that. And that's what I loved about Biggest Loser. You know, it was just, it was one of the most positive, uh, instead of somebody yelling at you and you're not doing this. And although Jillian could get pretty tough at times, there was like these moments of like, you know, you just felt like, okay, she really does have their back. You know, that people do want to see each other succeed. And um, so, one of my last questions I like to ask others is, do you think healing is a choice? Ooh, that's a great question. I think that healing is a choice. I do think that we're going to continue to grow regardless. The world's always going to spin. We're going to get older no matter what. That's certain. But I think that change and healing is a choice. Because if I decided to not make a change, I wouldn't have been able to heal. And I think that it takes a conscious effort to make our own transformations happen, right? Often at times, and this is from my own personal experience, it was easy for me to have bottles of wine around me and go, why isn't my life changing? Why isn't my life changing? But it needed something really uncomfortable to disrupt my pattern, something really uh, unfamiliar to change the algorithm of my life. And that was me asking for help. You know, I, I was someone that was never, ever, ever, ever asking for help. And when I asked for help, that's when the change happened. And with the change came healing. I don't know if I could say anything else after that, Joel. That was amazing. <laughs> so... So do me a favor. I just, you know, I just want do me a favor. Uh, let's just take one deep breath. I want to give a little gratitude to our time together today. Just 
just a nice moment. Um, just putting all this great energy and love out in the world. And I just, I'm so grateful for your time today and what you're doing in the world and all the people that you're helping. And um, I hope that uh, that continues for the both of us. Thank, Thank you, Joel. You so much. That was so, a really nice way so, to end this. Thank you. So great. And I hope that someday we'll get you back. I'd, I'd love to be in touch and, you know, and keep you, uh, keep your breast what's, what's going on and keep your, you know, your organization in the forefront for sure. Anything you want, you do such amazing work. Thank you for the healing oh. that you provide and, you know, for putting this wonderful podcast together. The, the world definitely uh, needs more of this. So thank you. I'm manifesting some big names right now. I'm manifesting Taylor Swift and a couple other people that have been through the witness chair, been on the witness chair, right? They've been there. Yeah. And they, they are absolutely really manifesting on that. Uh, let's get, let's talk. So there's yes. a lot of people in the news right now that have been through a lot of that kind of thing. So uh, again, Joel, I can't, I can't thank you enough. What an awesome conversation. So Joel, before we sign off here, can you give our listeners the best way to reach your organization, get online and, uh, and start their path to healing? Absolutely. People can go to the website, which is changealgorithm.com. And we're also on Instagram. Our handle is at changealgorithm. The Facebook is also the same handle at changealgorithm. Thank you again. It's just been such a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Trauma, Trial and Transformation. If you want to share your experience as a witness, please forward your information to info at juliethuck.com. For more information on Juliet's 30-year career in the courtroom, visit us at juliethuck.com. There you can find your books, The Equation of Persuasion, and 50 Ways to Get Your Way, available on Amazon. Remember to follow and subscribe to Trauma, Trial, and Transformation wherever you listen to podcasts. The content, opinions, and information shared by the hosts and guests on this podcast are not to be considered professional legal advice or therapeutic counseling. If you need assistance, consult with a licensed attorney or therapist if you are appearing as a witness, experiencing emotional trauma, or are involved in any sensitive legal matters. The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Thank you. Thank you.